Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Oh, yeah. Pale blood. <laughs> well, you've come to the right place. Yarnum is the home of blood ministration. You need only unravel its mystery. But where's an outsider like yourself to begin? Easy, with a bit of Yarnum blood of your own. First, you'll need a contract. Halo, halo, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast, where we talk all things Halo and so much more. It's really cool to do this impromptu episode, guys. If you are in the early access tier on our Patreon, you know, you're going to be hearing this one early, so, you know, but if not, you might want to check that out. You know, it's it's pretty cool don't mean to brag though anyway guys we're gonna do a very fun episode here talking about the souls born games brian is a huge fan of these has had a pretty interesting journey with them uh, i myself am in the complete opposite spectrum so this is gonna be very very cool to talk about i'm your host you already heard it dj jovial joshi and joining me as always is my buddy my pal my friend the guy who plays every single Soulsborne game but says, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Is it that one you, you're just like, I can't get into? I can't, I can't get into. Yeah, I can't get into that one. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Um, you think you'll have a come around? I don't know, dude. So I'll, I'll get into that. But uh, yeah, I know I know. there's going to be this temptation for me to talk this up in a way to convince Josh to play one. But I learned, I've learned the hard way a few t- several times, Josh. And this, this, isn't a, this isn't a thing against you. It's, I understand it. But I'm already if, offended. If I convince you to play a game or get a game, there's a very good chance I'll get you to buy it and play five minutes of it, but you'll put it on the backlog. So it doesn't, I don't really, you know, like Breath of the Wild, we convinced you to get that, but you know, it's still on the backlog. So I, it's not a big deal if I get you to, to play it or not. But um, it's, you know, the thing is, like, the Soulsborne series has had an interesting journey because it started off as this thing that, was ex- it was this extremely niche, obscure thing that got its popularity for being incredibly hard, and like that was that was the only thing anyone ever talked about was like how hard it was. Do you do you remember when uh, the first because so the first Souls game ever was Demon Souls as uh, Demons Souls for the uh, PS3. It was a PS3 exclusive. Do you remember when that came out, Josh? Do you have any memory of that? 
I don't, but I do remember when Dark Souls came out. Okay, well, so Demon Souls came out first in 2009, uh, so it was a long time ago. Uh, it originally came out as a Japanese, unfortunately, as a uh, like a, it's a game that didn't come out over here in America. It was only overseas, overseas, mm. and then. There's a publishing studio called Atlas you've probably seen or heard of before. Yeah. They've, they've done stuff yeah, with I Persona, Atlas. I think. We're working on KOTOR remake. Was it Atlas? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Atlas. A-T-L-U-S? Yeah, I didn't think it was them. You're probably right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Um, well, anyways, they brought the game over um, to to America, and it gained a whole new big following over here. Uh, funny thing is, the you know you still see a lot of like Souls detractors today, but those those detractors were very much there in the beginning. Did you know that uh, I think it's how do you say it? Shui Yoshida, uh, like the Sony president or whatever, he played Demon Souls uh, back when it released, and he said he played oh, like an, bro, I'm he, so sorry, I'm wrong. It was Aspire. It was Aspire that was doing. Okay, I, was, I didn't think it was. I, check. I was like, wait a second. It starts with an A, but yeah, I was wrong. Go ahead. I'm um, sorry. Yeah, the pre- president of Sony, Sushui Yoshida, he said back when to, uh, Demon Souls came out, he played it, and he thought it was garbage. He's like, this game sucks. This game is just trash. And he went on to say that the game was just not going to do anything, right? And it ended up blowing up into mm. one of the biggest franchises out there. Um, because the game is so hard, right? Like, you play the game, you get in the game, it doesn't give you hardly any instructions, hardly any story or setup, and it just sends you out into fight random dudes and like any random dude can just kill you easily and then when you die you lose all your experience points and it's like uh, i don't think this is going to be something people want to play and i even what's interesting too i even went back and i read like a kotaku article from 2009 about demon souls and it was just the 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 art the writer just talking about how much he hated gaming if it was going to be like this like if gaming is going to be like demon souls count me out because i'm not interested in this the game is just punishing for no reason and i don't like it and i don't want to play a game like this and but as time went on, if more people invested time into the Soul Series, they really started to get what it was about and 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 it was, you know why it was uh, different from from other games. Like it kind of went against all the norms of gaming. I mean, first mm-hmm. it is incredibly hard, you know. And if you're an older gamer, and I'm talking about, you know, Josh and I kind of apply, but I'm talking really kind of like more like ten years or more older than Josh and I. Who grew up on like exclusively NES or arcade into super into Super Nintendo gaming, where all the games you played were ridiculously hard. And I'm not saying like Dark Souls hard necessarily, but hard like oh you got to run through five levels without getting hit more than four times, or you got or you die and you got to restart. There's no saving, you know, stuff like that. Like the Lion King for Super days. Nintendo. Man, the Lion King for Super Nintendo, one of the hardest games ever, and it's a game that you know mostly kids were getting. Uh, I could never get past the second level of that game. Ridiculous. But um, so it kind of appealed to people who wanted a challenge in gaming in a time where gaming was getting easier and less challenging than ever. So you had that angle to it. And then it had this this really interesting multiplayer. Like, I don't know if you knew this, Josh, because it doesn't get talked about that much, I feel like. But, like, multiplayer is a huge part of Dark Souls. That's obviously not, like, something that I use a lot because I'm more of a single-player guy. But, like, the multiplayer in the original Demon Souls and really what they've carried all the way through to Elden Ring is super archaic. So there's no matchmaking. There's no like at inviting you off my friends list and just having you come into my game. It's mostly like when you play the game online, as you're running around in the game, you'll see ghostly shadows of other players who are running in the same area as you. So like mm-hmm. you'll be playing your single player game. I can be playing my single player game, but since we're both online, 
I could see, oh, Josh is fighting. I could see your ghost fighting a giant. And, like, in your single-player game, you are fighting that giant. But in my game, I'm not fighting the giant. I'm just looking at him, and I see your ghost over there fighting him. So there's that, and then there's this option to, like, summon other players to come into your world and help you. But it's more done through in-game, where it's like, I have to have a certain stone or a certain item that I use to summon you to my game. And then you come in my world, and you help me, and we fight enemies together or whatnot but like dying has real consequences if you die you lose your souls and your souls are what you use to get experience points and buy new armor buy like repair your armor buy armor buy uh in certain games buy like potions or healing stuff and to level your character um yeah so basically like the, the, the multiplayer is all done inside the game and it's not it's not like it's not accessible in the sense that it's not easy to grasp for people to just mm-hmm. come in. So basically the whole game is just like very unapproachable in the beginning. So anyways, yeah. all this is to say like 2009 Demon Souls comes out. It's a bigger hit than people thought it would be. Still wasn't like Demon Souls wasn't a household name or anything like that. It wasn't until Dark Souls. And right, and the thing is like I don't know if you knew this Josh, but Demon Souls is in a PlayStation exclusive game that Sony has the rights to. So when they realized that they were on to something with Demon Souls, instead of doing a Demon Souls 2, they're like, okay, we want to change the IP so we can make this multi-platform and, and make more profit off it. So instead of Demon Souls, it's Dark Souls. And it it borrows so heavily from Demon Souls, I'm surprised that there wasn't some kind of lawsuit. I don't know how these things work, but like, I'm talking like I can play Demon Souls and choose a weapon as my main weapon, and then I get in, I go to Dark Souls... And that same weapon with the same animations and the same look is in Dark Souls as in Demon Souls. Like it's that. It's the same developer. It's the same developer. Yeah. It? Now with with oh, Demon okay. Souls, the in-house studio, the PlayStation Japan studio, assisted with Demon Souls, and then they went on later to assist with Bloodborne, which is also a PlayStation exclusive. But Dark Souls, Elden Ring, and Sekiro are multi-platform. Um, okay. So they definitely they did Dark Souls to like capitalize on the success and sell more. So 2011's Dark Souls is what really put the game on the map. Uh, Dark Souls. I was going to ask you real quick. Yeah. Was so so it was Dark Souls then? Like you said, Demon Souls. You know they started realizing they had something with that. Yeah. So it took off in Japan then. Like well, it was really the West. It was really over here. Like because the thing okay. the thing about the Souls games are like this is the best way to put it. You know, a lot of times people buy Japanese games because they want a Japanese feeling game. Like think about Final right. Fantasy VII. It feels like a sure. Japanese game. Absolutely. All, the, all the Souls games are made by J- Japan de- Japanese developers, but they're made to to appeal to the West. They're Western games made by yeah. Japanese people. So it's like you're not getting a Japanese experience so much. I, I'm not, that, you just described exactly what Final Fantasy 15 is. Like that's oh, a, yeah. that's an apt description for that. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, yeah. fair. Um, so yeah. So it was really when it came to the West through Atlas publishing it that it really blew up. So Dark Souls comes out. Okay. It's multi-platform. What's interesting is Dark Souls comes out 2011. It comes out like right after Skyrim, so you get to imagine like the hype and the notoriety of Elder Scrolls. To me, I just thought I don't give a damn about this Dark Souls game. That's like, right. You know, I'm just like who who cares? I mean, we had Elder Scrolls. Who cares about Dark Souls? I remember Creighton buying Dark Souls used uh, a couple months after Skyrim came out. After Creighton had like hundred percent Skyrim, and I remember Creighton trying to play Dark Souls, and I just thought. I thought, man, uh, first of all, I don't want that kind of a challenge where you can't even do anything without dying. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. the game kind of looks rough, too, graphically. Like, in my opinion, at least, Dark Souls 
didn't look the best graphically even when it came out on the 360 yeah. PS3. So I was watching Creighton play, and I'm like, I'm never going to play this. I was like, what's the story? And Creighton's like, oh, well, it's it's kind of this and kind of that, but you you got to read the descriptions of items to figure out what the story is. And I'm like, okay, so the game's super hard. It's kind of ugly. Like, your character creator, it's kind of like... Character creator back in, like, Dark Souls was, like, Elder Scrolls. You know how, like, Oblivion, where your character looked yeah. like... You know, that was like, that ain't a human face. <laughs> like, that's hideous. So, like, yeah. this game doesn't I've look good. This yeah. game's hard. You don't know the story. I was like, I'm out. I've ze- I, I mean, I never question. in a million years thought I would. Well, I, I guess it's not a question, but I mean, it just seems like from the outside looking in that it's like, it's a clear divide. It's almost like a cult-like love. So if, if you're a fan of the Soulsborne series, you either drink the punch or you don't drink it. And if you're the person who doesn't drink it, you're like, it's too hard. It looks mm-hmm. too inaccessible. No story. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Whereas if you drink the, if you drink the punch, then you're just like, no other games matter masterpiece yeah, game right. of the year well, you know that's, i yeah. I'm not, that's not an insult to people who no. love it and not an insult to people who don't like it i'm just saying it it seems very like black or white when it comes to Soulsborne games well i, would I don't say, see people that exist in a happy medium yeah i would say that's like definitely like that was i feel like that was more true earlier on like i feel as of now in 2022 with elden ring and everything yeah. i don't think that's the case as much anymore elden ring is a huge i mean that's that's a mainstream game now like it's not okay it's no longer what neat. is it about elden ring because this one's like hugely open. What is it about this one that people went so nuts for compared to like any of the others? Because well, I feel like, I mean, yeah. I remember Bloodborne being huge. I remember it being talked about people for, for a lot of people's their game of the year. You know, and I remember the legacy of Dark Souls that it had just to get to that point to come out. But I feel like uh, Elden Ring just had a whole different, like it, it, there's those event moments in gamings, like uh, in gaming uh, history, you know, when you have like Elder Scrolls comes out, or when yeah. you have a new Zelda game come out. I feel like this was on that level of like it was. everyone. Like, remember when Red Dead Two came out? Everyone was talking about it. it felt like yeah. that with this. No, it was it was a culmination of things, right? I mean, it, I kind of Red Dead Redemption's a good one, but the one I think of the most is Skyrim. Like with yeah. Skyrim, you know, Morrowind came out, and it was like this. Wow, this is a really good game by Bethesda. Like. We didn't know Bethesda had it in them to make like this good of a game. So Morrowind was like popular but not mainstream on the original right. Xbox and PC. Then Oblivion comes out. Oblivion's a lot more popular than Morrowind. You know, it's on it's on the 360, it's on the PS3, Help it's on sell PC. the 360. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's more accessible. It's it's easier to get into, but it's still kind of it's still kind of archaic here and there. Like I don't know if niche is a proper word because I know Oblivion was very successful, but like Oblivion was not like when you heard about people talking about Call of Duty and Halo. And Gears of War, you usually didn't hear those tapes, those people mention Oblivion in the same sentence. Because, like, Oblivion was no, more I, for your, like, a little bit more of hardcore nerds. When I was going to say, Skyrim, Oblivion's definitely more hardcore, where Skyrim was much more accessible. Yeah, so then you get to Skyrim, and Skyrim's this thing now where it's, like, everybody's played Skyrim. Like, you know, if you like if you like Call of Duty and Minecraft and Halo, you've probably also played Skyrim, and you probably like that, too. So Skyrim was, like, them refining the game and building up this like culture and building up this fan base and that's exactly what happened with with uh, with Elden Ring right so it's it's a couple things first you have iteration right like it's funny how it's like a pro and a con if you play all the souls games you will see that they have just kept making the same game over and over and over again with alterations like mm-hmm. you can play Elden Ring and then go back and play Demon Souls which came out 13 years prior and you're like oh this is the same game just evolved over and over again um, so there's this continued evolution of the same thing. And I think that's like, I think it's a testament to what FromSoft does so well, because how many times have we seen games where a developer puts out a game and it's really good, 
and then they make sure the sequel, like they, they they make a new game from scratch for the sequel. You know what I mean? Like look at like Halo One to Halo Two to Halo Three. I feel like it was kind of like Halo, okay, scratch. Halo Two, okay, scratch. Halo Three, okay, scratch. Absolutely. Halo Reach. I definitely think that's what it's happened. Like, think if they, think if there was a trilogy of Halo Threes, right? Like if there was Halo Three. Yeah. And then Halo 4 and 5 was like the same engine, the same art assets. Kind of like what they're doing with God of War right now. Like, and I, well, like what you had with ODST in a lot of ways. How yeah. that was very similar to 3. So, yeah. It, it sucks because people are criti- cr- criticize that stuff, right? Like right now, I've, I've seen a lot of criticism for Ragnarok. Oh, it's the same animation. It's the same graphics. It's, it's on the PS4. But it's like, yeah, but if it's a great game with like story and gameplay and everything, it's all there. Cinematics, like that's cool with me. And I kind of like the consistency of like God of War and, and God of War Ragnarok. They look the same. So that's kind of what From Software did is they just kept iterating and iterating. Same engine, same uh, you know, same weapons, same animations, type stuff like that. And they kept going and going and going. So you got that is one thing that got Elden Ring to this popularity is that it's been over a yeah. decade of iteration and and slowly gathering new fans as the games come out. New fans, new fans, new fans. It's also multi-platform. Bloodborne and Demon Souls were not. Those were both only on PlayStation. Also multi-platform. And it had George R. R. Martin's name behind it. Which I do a, remember that. Which was a huge selling point because, you know, Game of Thrones popularity was at its absolute peak when they announced Elden Ring. Obviously, by the time Elden Ring came out, House of Dragon hadn't come out yet. People didn't like Season 8. Game of Thrones was kind of waning a bit. But still, George R. R. Martin, anything associated with Game of Thrones, that was a big pull. Funny thing is, so many of us who are Souls fans already, we thought, oh, man, George R. R. Martin, that dude knows how to tell a story. This is going to be the Souls game that really tells this deep layered story that's like in your face with cinematics and characters absolutely not absolutely not yeah it's, it's not i swear I, maybe it was you maybe it was uh steve or hawes I, maybe it was someone else altogether but i do remember seeing on twitter that people were like they barely felt george r, r. martin's like oh, influence they, 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 it was like non-existent okay. okay this is what i think what happened. at least you know i i don't know this is what i think happened and i could be wrong like i'm not there i don't know but i feel like what i'm saying feels so correct that i'm just like i gotta be right right like if because here's the thing elden ring story feels the same as bloodborne's demon souls dark souls they all feel the same it's basically here's an intro to a world and a little bit of backstory of like these heroes died, this character falled, or evil took over, or this person kindled the last flame, blah, blah, blah. It's like this really kind of obscure intro cutscene, introduce you to the world, then as you play through the game, you meet little NPC characters, you meet bosses, you pick up items, and these bosses, NPCs, and items tell little bits of the story. So between the opening cutscene and the characters and bosses, and then finally the ending of the game and the last final cutscene... You can then take all those pieces and put together a story that's pretty accurate. So there's really no way to experience a story in the way you would in, say, God of War or Halo when you play through Dark mm-hmm. Souls. You have to take all that stuff, put it together, and inform the story yourself. What most people do is they go on YouTube and they find Vati Vidya and they just watch him where he's taken all that stuff and he's made the story out of the video for you. But what happened with Elden Ring is you get to Elden Ring, it's the exact same thing as the rest. There's like a cutscene, item descriptions, NPCs, bosses, cutscene at the end. Like that's what it is. So my guess is they hired George R.R. Mar- R. Martin. They said, we want to make a, a game, we want to make a Dark Souls game that appeals to a wider audience. We want to use your name. George R. R. Martin, here's what we want. We want some loose story details and some loose character names and a couple of lore bites. 
write those for us and give them to us, and we're just going to scatter them throughout the game. We're not going to really tell a cohesive like story. So it just seems like they, to me, it seems like they paid for his name, right? To have his name on the game is what it feels like. But sure. anyways, to your back to your original question, so you have culmination of over a decade of iteration of Souls and gaining popularity. You have multi-platform. You have George R. R. Martin attached to it. And then, in some ways, they've also made the game the most accessible it's ever been. And it's open world. Open world, people like to give crap to open world games, including myself. I get so sick of open world. But the thing is, people love open world games. And if you say a new open world game is coming out, people are, like, looking. They're, like, keep they're paying attention. They want to know what this new open world has to offer. It's the first time Souls ever went into open world. So um, all these things kind of came together. And then Elden Ring also offers... Um, some easier ways to play the game yeah. that other Souls games didn't didn't have before, like um, like summoning. Like in El, uh, in Elden Ring, you can summon like creatures to help you fight in battle to take the aggro off you to distract the bosses so you can get easier hits on them. Um, there's uh, Ashes of War, which are things that, like enchant your weapons. So there's like all these little different things that are offered to the players to help them beat bosses and get around easier. Plus, usually in Souls games. You just go from one boss to the next boss to the next boss. But in Elden Ring, since it's an open world, you can go to this boss, find out they're too hard, go somewhere else on the map. These enemies are easier. you know, And you can just continue to take your time and go where you want to make sure that you feel comfortable with your progress in the game. So there's a lot of things working for it that made Elden Ring like a, a, Elden Ring like a, a big success. And uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I, think, I think they're going to continue that route onwards because... Why wouldn't you? After it's one of the most critically acclaimed games of all time. It's got like a 97 on Metacritic. I think it's number five highest rated game of all time. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a really good game too. But the thing is, all these games, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Demon Souls, Sekiro, um, Elden Ring, they're all very similar. You know, if you like one, there's a good chance you'll like the rest. Sekiro has stood out well, for me as a little tougher, but we can get back to that. Well, I will say for you guys listening that uh, one of the pros of me, I guess, is uh, I could get myself excited about anything if I want to hard enough. So I'm actually watching gameplay of this as I'm talking to you, Brian. It doesn't, of Elden Ring specifically, and it does look pretty cool in parts of just the the aesthetics, like the lush, like foliage and forest oh, yeah. stuff like that. That's the stuff I'm not, I, it's less I'm, dark. you know, I'm ignorant. I was going to say I'm ignorant of the other games, but it seems less dark in this one. So that's a little bit more appealing to me. But when I talked to you way back earlier in the year, I remember you were saying, like, this one fatigued you a bit. So can you, like, walk me through some of the pros and cons of this one specifically? Yeah, well, I think I can I can probably talk about this easier than ever before because I just replayed through Bloodborne and Demon Souls. Um, Bloodborne and Demon Souls, I when I beat the game, my completion for beating the story through one time was 20 hours. So it was like a 20-hour experience. Usually, wow. Usually when you get through Souls... <laughs> You're somewhere through. You're somewhere between level sixty and level eighty when you beat the story. Probably spent twenty to thirty hours playing the game. Is there a max level? Uh, I don't know if there's a max level, but you basically okay. you just keep leveling because when you beat the game, it rolls over to a new game plus, and then you beat it again and again and again and again. You just keep leveling and leveling, keeping your items going forward. But the enemies keep getting harder every new game plus, so there is a challenge there. Um, sure. But uh, so Elden Ring though, it's not. It's, it's like an open-world game, right? Like, we've talked about, like, Zelda and Breath of the Wild, right? We've talked about, to a lesser extent, Halo Infinite and Halo 3. Like, what's what are you going to beat quicker, right? If you sit down to play Halo 3 from beginning to end, 
or if you sit down to play Halo Infinite from beginning to end and you do all the side stuff, all the little icons on the map, it's going to take mm-hmm. you probably at least twice as long to beat Infinite, wouldn't you say, if you do everything? like Yeah. Yeah, so you save all the Marines, you do all the outposts, all that stuff. So it's kind of the same way with Elden Ring, right? Like, if you're, okay. if, you're, if you're usually level 60 to level 80 by the time you beat Demon Souls in 20 hours, you're going to be way over level 100, and you're going to be 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 hours deep if you've done everything in Elden Ring. If you've killed all the bosses, if you've discovered all the hidden stuff, you know, if you've PvP'd, if you've co-opted with people, helped other people, the game's just bigger. It's just a far bigger game. It's open world. I mean, you have a horse in Elden Ring. You don't have that in any other game. You know, this is the first software from software game where you have a mount to ride around. And the, the horse mechanics are actually really good in this game because they don't try to make it, it feel looks like a, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, they don't try to make it feel like a real horse. They just make it they make it fun to play. And you also fight ba- you fight bosses on the on horseback and stuff too. So uh, I saw a, that. It looked like he was almost jousting in, in one of these clips. I'm just looking at the IGN yeah. review on mute, but uh yeah. This does look pretty cool. Yeah. So Elden Ring hey, it's is, interesting, man. It's the most approachable. Oh, sorry. No, it's it's the most approachable, I'd say for for the most part, I mean. Do, well, as I'm looking at it, it's like uh, I don't know. It's tough because for you guys listening, like, like Brian said in the beginning, he's totally right. Like, I mean, I can get, I, I can get interested in, in most games. Brian can can sell me on something with his enthusiasm, but then it sometimes goes in the backlog. And for example, right now, I want to play Ragnarok. That's about to come out. Uh, I I got to play the Grand Theft Auto Four expansions because I just beat the main game. Uh, I still want to play Miles Morales. I'd really like to go through and play replay through all the gears because i haven't in years and i still have not even touched gears five really so uh, and i want to play yakuza zero super bad uh so i I mean like it's it's tough but i'm looking at this now and i mean i'm this is the most i've honestly looked at it and it it is kind of interesting but i will say i think i'd probably still start with demon souls but uh, well, that's the thing is like that's what i was trying about to say is like if someone's like if someone's like where do you start i'm like the demon souls remake to me gives Elden Ring a pretty good run for its money as a starting point because yeah. Elden Ring has you have the ability to go where you want and take the game at a slower pace and it also has more ways to help you beat bosses but Demon Souls the bosses are the easiest they are in of any of the Souls games and the games a shorter experience it's a good and the remake's beautiful I mean Demon Souls is a really comfortable place to start because like if you start with Demon Souls Josh you're looking at a 25 hour experience that might take you longer if you're not very good or you have trouble. But if you start Elden Ring and you've never played a Souls game before, you're probably looking at a close yeah. to 100-hour experience. You're talking about a Witcher 3 or a Skyrim-level experience with Elden Ring. Yeah, that's what's tough is because, uh, you know, I, I wanna, that, that's the thing. As I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, this looks like it has a lot of different environments, a lot of different aesthetics, yeah. which is very appealing. But then on the other end, I'm like, man, the thought of playing some big open-world game it's just daunting right yeah. now for me, wanting to get through so many other games. So I'm, uh, I, you guys, I've spent like the last probably five years of my gaming experiences primarily playing RPGs, jumping from one to another. Uh, the Witcher and Dragon Age Inquisition, I was playing like simultaneously, and when I finished Witcher three, I jumped into, I jumped fully on into Inquisition, and went from there even into more RPGs. So that's my favorite genre, but that's also what I'm kind of burnt out on. And, like, I still want to play Ghost of Tsushima and stuff like that, too. But, um, yeah, I think Demon's Souls would probably be my start. I feel like I would like this one the most, though. I Like, at, at least as I'm looking at it more, um, 
Dude, it's crazy. I'm seeing people with like head <laughs> wearing these masks that have like two faces on it and shit. Yeah. It's oh crazy. The only game crazy, that's more but, colorful, uh, the only game that has aesthetics you'd probably like more than Elden Ring is Sekiro. Sekiro is very colorful, very Yeah, I, was that the one that that was the one that Steve was recommending to me, correct? Yeah, so here's the thing. Like th- let me let me put it in super layman's terms here. Um the reason why Sekiro is hard for me is cuz you know how I said if you play one Souls game, like you can play them all. Yeah. Well, like what Sekiro does is it the, changes the combat so that everything you've learned about Dark Souls combat, you have to unlearn it because it doesn't play the same way. <laughs> so, okay. like, so like in, in Dark Souls, you have the option to parry things. And parrying is, I'm sure, I mean, most people know what parrying is. In Dark Souls, if you're able to raise your shield at the exact moment someone was about to swing and hit you, it will stun them into a position where they're open for a, a visceral attack. And then you're able, you're able to visceral attack them and do massive damage, right? And you can do that in all the mm-hmm. Souls games, Elden Ring, everything. But to parry is to be really good, like to have really good timing and understanding of the animations and getting that nailed down. You can play through all the Souls games and never parry once and get through them. You don't have to know how to parry. It's optional. Sekiro, the entire game, the main combat is parrying. It's about parrying and getting your opponent's stature and composure down i'm gonna look this up while we're talking about it okay so it's like basically you can't just because you're good at souls doesn't mean you're going to be good at sekiro and that's led people to have one of two opinions if you look up look up online people are going to say sekiro is either the hardest souls game ever or the easiest it's the easiest because if you're a god at parrying the game's cake because if you're good if you're a god at parrying you just parry every attack you never get hit you kill the guy like but if you're not good at parrying and you played Souls games and never really parried, when you go to Sekiro, you're just not going to be able to do anything because you can't parry for shit. And that's me. I suck at parrying, so I just, I can't, I cannot progress in Sekiro at all. Like, I just die over and over again. I might have beat one boss, maybe, and I just gave up, man, because I just, I was so bad at it. It didn't matter how much soul skill I had to, to get past it. Um, Did Creighton beat this one? Oh, yeah. Creighton beat it. He loves it. And everyone who's played and beat these games usually loves, loves Sekiro, but... Dude, it was hard, man. I'm scared. What does this sit kind of in the late? <laughs> oh, go ahead. You said no, you're scared of no, like going back to it. Yeah, I'm scared of it because I'm like, it doesn't matter how much better I've got at Souls. Like this game makes me makes you unlearn it all, you know. Oh, interesting. Well, does it have more of a story? I saw a lot of cutscenes in here. Yeah, I would say I'm I would say it does have more story, and it's also it also has the least it's the least RPG of all. Like it has the least amount of things to upgrade and choose. Mm. Um, but also there's like super punishing things, right? Do you like get this, this, this would, this would bother you so much, Josh. If you die too much in Sekiro, so it's The game's called Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. And the reason it's called that is because it has this mechanic. If you die and you're about to lose the battle and lose your, your experience or whatever, you have an option to immediately respawn. Shadows die twice. You have, you have a second chance. You can always use a second chance. If you use that second chance after you die too many times, all of the NPCs in the world will start to start to contract the sickness where they're all getting sick and dying because of your negligence, because of you sucking. The NPCs in the game are dying. Wow, that's so, interesting. So I remember like playing and sucking so bad, and then I came back to one of these NPCs I was used to talking to, and he was coughing up blood. It's because of me. I oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, this looks fun, too. Uh Wow, I don't well, know. That's I mean, the thing, dude. Like, and and I heard he's rolling around. I'm seeing in this, and like, I can't remember like which episode got... it was, but there was a high potion episode where Steve he said it perfectly. Like, 
I think Haas was talking about Jedi Fallen Order, which you have experience with, Josh. And and yes. what Steve said was Love perfect. It. It's like people who are trying to copy Souls, like they need to not they need to not try to copy Souls because it never works. You've heard of games of like Lords of the Fallen and stuff that try to be like a Soul yeah. or Neo. It never works. All they need to do is copy the amazing third person uh, action combat. Like that is why the Souls games are. That's the primary reason why they're so good. It feels amazing to fight in Souls games. The combat is amazing. Like, it feels so good. If you play Witcher 3, people will say, oh, you know, that game's great, but the combat could be better. You play uh, Dragon Age, someone might say that. But if you play Dark Souls, if you play or Jedi Fallen Order, which which mimics it, the combat's amazing. Like, didn't you like the combat in Jedi Fallen Order, Josh? Absolutely loved it, and I loved Witcher 3's. Yeah, Witcher 3's is good. I I don't think it's as good, but Witcher 3's is good as well. Um, But, uh, yeah, so basically, you know, the Souls games, including Demons, like Demons and Dark Souls are all kind of like mostly pretty similar. Elden Ring takes mm-hmm. that concept to an open world. And then you have Bloodborne, which is my personal favorite Souls game and also Steve's favorite from High Potion. Um, Bloodborne's really cool because it removes the medieval setting and instead throws in this dark HP Lovecraft setting, gothic setting, and it removes like heavy armor and gives makes it so that all your characters have no shields, and they have, like, cloth armor, attire, and instead of a shield, you have a gun. So you're, like, in this gothic setting, and you have no armor, and you have a gun, and the whole game, like, Bloodborne is based around getting in hits as fast as you can, and, like, like basically, they're, like, Bloodborne is discouraging people from playing the game like Dark Souls, because Dark Souls, you want to, like, stay back, have your shield up, wait for the right moment to attack, attack, put your shield back up, roll around, be careful. But in Bloodborne, no shield. Don't hang back. Don't wait to attack. Get in there and ninja the hell out of this guy as fast as you can. And what encourages that more than ever is there's this mechanic called the rallying mechanic in Bloodborne where every time you get hit, if you attack the enemy back fast enough, you can regain all of the health you just lost from the enemy attacking you in Bloodborne. But you have to immediately attack. Like, you can't get hit by an enemy and then back away in fear and then come back and get your health back. You know, you got to get in immediately and just slash, 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 get your health back. Um, basically, just the setting is the setting and the mechanics and the Very combat. Victorian. Oh, dude, it's like it's like they nailed everything, I'm, right? Like, I'm looking at that. I'm I'm switch. <laughs> I'm running the gauntlet apparently, but I'm I'm looking at this now and. This one, guys, I have played a couple hours in. I'd probably say like three to four hours, and I sucked at it, so it's not like I really made much progress. But it's weird. I I don't think it's the lack of traditional storytelling that bothers me. I like the concept that this that these games like bring, um, and some of the aesthetics is pretty cool. Like even though this isn't exactly mine, like I'm I've never been like I I, I like I casually enjoy Lovecraftian stuff and Victorian stuff can be fun. Um, it's never been like a huge selling point for me, but it's also never been a big turnoff. So like, even when I'm looking at this, I'm like, this is cool. I, I don't think, I think what it was for me with Bloodborne, at least is I don't think I really liked the starting area. Like when you're going in that like initial town or whatever that's that fair. was. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but when I'm seeing, you know, gameplays, it's just cutting back every three or four seconds in this to different like footage. Parts of it actually look pretty cool. And I remember you seeing it, uh, or I remember watching you play it and, I mean, it was fun to watch. I will say this is one of the most enjoyable games 
to watch someone else play, and I don't typically like watching people play games, but like when I watched Brian play this at his house, I was captivated and rooting for him and like we he'd pass the controller over and I'd try a few times. I'd watch him thinking like I can dodge this. Let me let me try this. And then get my ass handed to me. But it did make me wanna keep going. It didn't make me want to quit, like rage quit, you know? And that's the thing too, guys, is when I play Jedi Fallen Order, there is on one of the first planets you go on, there's this giant toad creature called the Ogdo Bogdo. And I, the OCD in me, did not want to leave that planet without defeating him. But I went over to a friend's house, and there was four of us there. They all knew I was going to play that game. I brought it over. So they were, they're all hanging out talking. I'm sitting there playing the game. I cannot beat this giant toad. And my friend Xavier's like, let me, let me try it. He tries, he can't do it. My friend Roman tries it. He can't do it. And Jeff's like, I'll try it. Jeff can't do it. So then... It goes back to me, and what ends up happening is we run the gauntlet, taking turns, trying to beat this dude, till eventually they just kind of mentally tap out, and they're just, like, talking about comic books and stuff, and I keep trying to beat this thing, and I eventually give up. I'm like, man, I don't want this to be our whole, like, hangout, so then I go home, I start over, and I I can't remember now. I feel like eventually I, I just beat him before I moved on. Like, I, I, I doubled down, and... It was because it was fun. It was because I, I like, even though I was feeling frustrated at times, it was more because like oh, I almost had him. Yeah. Like I, you know, I get to a point where like I had him down lower than I ever had him before, and then yep. I just did something stupid. And I'm sure the Souls games are the same, but it does. The thing I liked about it is, even though I feel like I feel like it is fair to say that a lot of these enemies can be cheap. I feel like most of the times that I failed, it was because of a mistake I made. Like I slipped up, or I didn't know that they were going to do this new attack when they got to a certain amount of health or something like that. So I, I, that pulled me in at least enough. And uh, but I also, I don't think <laughs> I think after I beat that, since I completed it, I should say I completed it, I wasn't ready to go back in anything too soon. But it, you know that that formula is interesting enough for me. Yeah, uh, that that's a big part of of why the souls games are so exciting, right? Because the, the try, how triumphant you feel when you beat an enemy. And that's the thing is most yeah. of the I feel like 90% of the enemies across all the souls games are not cheap. They're all very fair, but you have to like learn and adapt. And that's, that's the thing is like, I know exactly which frog creature you're talking about. Cause my pledge that I fall in order, I got stuck at him too. Um, but like the whole thing is, you learn how to fight the enemy. You learn when his attacks are. You learn what his cooldowns are. You learn mm-hmm. what is best against Yeah, I really liked that. To the point where eventually you're fighting him. Maybe it's your fifth time. Maybe it's your 25th time. You fight him, and, and pretty soon you get to the point where the first three-fourths of his health, you just take him, you just get rid of it. With like no, like You're like, okay, I know exactly how you move, so here I'm just going to get rid of three-fourths of your health without getting touched. You're just going to own him. And like you're you're at the bottom, like last quarter health, trying to figure out what it's going to take to finish him off. Like, and eventually, by the time you beat him, you've just you've just learned, you've just mastered the character, like the enemy, like you you've manipulated him pretty much. And and that's what's mm-hmm. so so gratifying about it. But the other thing I want to mention before I forget is I think most like real hardcore Souls fans, I think most of them would tell you that just talking about the Souls games difficulty doesn't do it justice at all, right? Because, like, every Souls fan I meet that, like, legitimately is already a fan of Souls, already plays them, beats them, it's really never the, the difficulty they talk about. It's never it's never that they're, they're feeling, they feel so amazing that they're beating a hard game or they want to give themselves a pat on the back. It's because the games are so much fun to play, the combat, 
and the, and it's, it's so engaging. And the the NPCs and the world and the and the atmosphere and the characters, like the the way it all interacts with, it makes this like phenomenal experience you don't get anywhere else. There's like there's nothing like a Souls experience. So most fans are just really excited about the game itself. It's like the, the the difficulty is like the first thing you talk about when it comes to Souls. Oh, that's the hard series. That's the hard game I can't beat. But once you get past that and you've like played it a bit and you're, you're beating enemies, you don't really talk about the difficulty because it's like you're there for the for the atmosphere and the and the, and the how it makes you feel to play it. It's so much fun. And I would say like if if I was trying to sell someone on it, like if I was trying to sell you, Josh, to me it's like this. And tell me if this makes any sense. So you know how like you played Halo and you liked Halo for its gameplay and story. Then you find mm-hmm. Gears. Gears of War feels like another Halo, right? Like, they're not the same type of game. One's a third person and one's a first person. that are different settings. But, like, Gears felt like another Halo in the sense that here's another fun game I can play. Whoa. Story and campaign, and I can do multiplayer. So, like, you have Gears and you have Halo, and they feel, like, similar. Well, I feel like Dark Souls has the same kind of vibes as I get from, like, Elder Scrolls, right? Like, you can't get your Halo experience from Elder Scrolls. But you kind of right. can get your Halo experience from Gears in a sense. You know what I mean? Like I know they're not the same. I do like, see what you're saying. But like, yeah. but you no, can get your Elder Scrolls experience from Dark Souls. Like it's another. It's that like because like in Elder Scrolls, there's really no amazing story in Elder Scrolls, right? There's really no one character that's so deep. Like we talk about characters we love, like Lucy and Lachance. But would you say Lucy and Lachance is as good of a character as Master Chief? Not really. Absolutely. He's, no. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a side quest character in, in an Elder Scrolls game, right? So like. Yeah. When you play Elder Scrolls, what makes Elder Scrolls feel so good is you have this open world with this atmosphere and the, this charm and the way characters talk to you and the way that you, uh, you know, you go through tunnels and you discover, like you can be in Elder Scrolls and you can go into this cavern and you can find a dead body and then you can find a second dead body deeper in the cavern and then a third dead body and then you get down all the way to the bottom of the cavern and there's a guy tied up in a web and there's a spider and it kind of tells this little story, right? Like you know what happened. Right. There was like four guys, and three of them got killed by a spider. And you found the last guy, and he's tied up in this web, and he's about to be killed. And you got to slay the spider and save him. Like, it doesn't have to tell you what the story is, but you, you've discovered it through playing the game. That's what Souls feels like, in the same way Elder Scrolls feels like. You start your character, you create your character, just like in Oblivion, Skyrim, Morrowind, and then you play through that game, and you run into unique NPCs, you run into unique environments, you find cool items, you find cool enemies. It's just like the Elder Scrolls experience in that sense. Like, they're not the same game, but you get those same vibes and, like, just that feeling when I became an Elder Scrolls fan and how it's, like, this monumental series for me, that's what Mm -hmm. Souls feels like. It feels just like Elder Scrolls. It's one of the best series I've ever played. It's crazy. Dude, I'm I'm looking at Demon Souls now, and this is absolutely the one I'm going to get first. PS5 remake looks... It's the best-looking video game ever. (laughs) uh, This looks incredible. This looks. I mean, just the environments too. Yeah. Like the gameplay looks. I, I, it's it's cool. <laughs> it's funny, guys. When I used to, uh, when Brian used to live out this way, and I would be hanging out with him, and he'd be talking to me like he is now, telling me about why this stuff is fun. I'm watching him play it, so I'm getting kind of like the visual stimulation as, as well as the mental. I'm doing that right now, and like you're talking about the gameplay being fun, and I'm seeing this guy just hack these other dudes to pieces, and I'm like that does look pretty fun. I'm like. <laughs> But um, the funny thing it's interesting. Is, uh, go ahead, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I saw him fight like what looked like a mind flare, almost similar to D and D. It's almost yeah. like a octopus like mouth. Yeah, and um, he's in the tower. Of then there was this fat heavy dude with like a big like a top hat, and he looked yeah. almost almost looked like the penguin kind of running around. Yeah, but uh, 
Uh, yeah, this looks this looks kind of neat actually. Well, this was they, they've each looked good. There's so many interesting ways to like make your character in the game too. So like, so what? Okay, what kind of character would you play, Josh? Like in in uh, Souls game? Like, would you want to be like? Oh, first of all, would you want to be like a knight with the sword and shield? Would you want to do two handed? Would you want to do ranged? Would you want to do magic? Would you want your character to be like super tough and heavy armor but can't move very fast? Or like a really light character that can like roll around and dodge really quick? Like, what kind of character would you make? Sword and shield, baby. Sword and shield, okay. No, I do the same thing. But like, would you want your character to have like heavy armor with like heavy attacks, or like really fast attacks and really light so you could skate around the battlefield more? The latter. That's yeah. that's me. Be able to that's skate me. around. That's yeah. me. So like, when I go in, when I go into uh, play a Souls game, I usually go like heavy into dexterity, and I get my endurance really high, so I can like roll in, jab the guy a bunch of times, roll out, put up my shield, take a few hits. Um, because the thing is, this fucking penguin top hat guy looks so cool. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you know what his name is? His name is the Fat Official. That's his name. The Fat Official. Yeah, I love it. Sounds yeah. like a Dollar General figure. It's an it's an enemy you fight in Demon Souls. Or it's like uh, a it's like a uh, spirit Halloween costume. That's a knockoff. Oh, it does look like that. Yeah, absolutely. The Fat Official. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. No, no I mean on a, on another note too, dude. Like the thing is too is like everyone's like a lot of people who like are kind of interested in Souls. They're like, oh well, I can't play Souls because it's too hard and stuff like that. But Everyone says this, and it seems like something you want to roll your eyes at, but it's absolutely true. A- anyone can beat a Souls game, right? Like, it's it's hard, but anyone who's ever wanted to get into the series is able to to fight and beat the enemies. Like, it's it's weird because it really is as hard as people say, but it's not as unapproachable as people make it seem. Like, I have no doubt that you would be able to beat Demon Souls, Josh. Like, you'd probably start and die a lot and maybe more often than than most and you or maybe you get halfway through the game and you get stuck on a boss that you're stuck on for 2 days uh but mm-hmm. you beat it you'd beat it because you just you 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 start to understand how the game works very quickly you're like oh okay i see that i'm going to have to roll every time he does this move and i'm going to have to make sure i have my shield up here or oh when he gets to half health he he jumps in the air and and shoots down fireballs i got to make sure i'm back for that like I'm all the way back to against the wall, like away from it, and then you start to get that stuff, and then you just you just beat it, and you just go to the next thing, and the next thing, next thing. And at, at the same time, not only are you understanding the game better, but you're leveling your character up higher, you're upgrading your weapons, you're getting better armor, and by the time you get towards the f- further end of the game, you feel like it's it's funny too because you you like you'll feel invincible, but then you're totally not because even if you're at the end of the game and you're high level. You can go back to the first area of the game, and if you let your character sit there for a little bit, you, the, the level beginning enemies are going to kill you because, I mean, that's just how the Souls games are. Um, but and the thing is, too, like, when you say there's no story, which I, I've been saying this whole time, it's true and it's not true because I don't feel like you're, you're left wanting for anything. And I think people who play Souls would, would agree with that. Like, when you beat a Souls game, you feel fulfilled by the story. Um, mm-hmm. But you also can't sit here and, like, like if I was to tell you, oh, Oh yeah, Halo Combat Evolved. Like yeah, you're a you're a cyborg and you land on this planet that's shaped like a ring and and this and you fight these aliens and then you gotta these new aliens get released and you gotta kill them and you gotta blow up the planet and escape. Like there you go. You have Halo in its most simple form. I couldn't do that for Dark Souls really, you know. But mm-hmm. you'd still beat it and be like, wow, like that was a really cool experience. Like that felt really good. Kind of like when you beat an Elder Scrolls game, right? Like how many people? How many people have you known, Josh? That like they get they get Skyrim. And they immediately play the main quest, and then they turn the game off. They're like, "Wow, Skyrim's story was amazing." No one. Oh yeah. No yeah, one. No, I that. know what you're saying. You know that's how it is with Souls. Yeah. Like you, you, 
like Skyrim is one of the best games ever made to a lot of people, and like that's what well, Souls is, you know. Hell yeah, man. Uh, have- well, two questions for you. Okay. So one, you mentioned earlier just offhand that it's the best looking game ever. What is number two for you? And then secondly, once you answer that, I want to hear just just for the people that are Souls fans, so they can they can uh, relate to you or not. Uh, what are some of the hardest bosses or the toughest fights? Or and I need a ranking, man. You got to give me a ranking of uh of these from like favorite to least favorite. Okay. Um, I know I just threw a lot at you, but I'm ready to listen. So when I you know, I think I think you knew what I meant when I said Demon Souls was the best looking game ever. I, I just meant graphically. You got that right. Right. Okay. It, it yeah. does. It looks amazing. It looks like one of the best, if not the best. Well, it's a, going it's, off that video. So. It's a it's a it's a remake of a game from 2009 built for the PS5 hardware exclusively. It, it's not on PS4. It only plays on Arcing PS5. Arcing the power. Um, yeah. So I would say Demon Souls is the graphically the best looking game on the planet right now. Uh, number two, you said. I think it might be Horizon Forbidden West. <laughs> Okay. Horizon Pretty Forbidden good, West huh? looks freaking phenomenal. Like, and that's not even one of my favorite games. I just, it just looks amazing, uh, graphically. Yeah. Um, now, as far as the bosses go, see, uh, I'm different than most, right? Because, like, first of all, there's a couple expansions, like DLC expansions for Souls games, that I haven't played because I'm afraid of the difficulty of the bosses. So, like, Demon Souls looks so good. Hey, go ahead. I'm De- sorry. Demon Souls is amazing. There's there's no DLC for Demon Souls, so that that's that's kind of good. Uh, like if Steve, nice. Steve was listening, Steve would say, uh, you know, like the Dark Souls one DLC bosses are so hard. Haven't played it because I'm scared. You know, I don't want to fight the bosses that hard. <laughs> I'll be honest, uh, though. Yeah, because I'm scared. <laughs> now, to be fair though, I have beat all of Bloodborne's DLC bosses. Uh, Orphan of Cost is the name you'll get heard like thrown around a lot. Orphan of Cost is one of the harder bosses. I have beat him, uh, but for me, and I don't know why, because everyone I've talked to doesn't feel this way and this is something you'll notice like if you go on like reddit or different forums for dark souls you'll hear someone say that boss a is the hardest boss in the game and then you'll hear someone else say boss a is the easiest and you'll hear the guy who said boss a was the hardest he'll say boss c was the easiest and the guy who thought a was easy will think c's the hardest like they're just everyone experience has like different experiences with what gives them trouble for me the Mm -hmm. most trouble i've ever had with a souls boss ever uh and just other ones i've played and the ones i've fought was the Twin Princes from, from Dark Souls 3. I actually recorded my my finally beating that boss, uh, and it's on Facebook, um, the video of me fighting the dark, uh, the Twin Princes. But basically, mm-hmm. it's, this yeah, fight, it's this fight where you have a, a prince in a castle, and he's like, he's like slithering around on, like his two legs are like broken or something, and he's like okay. wildly slashing at you and teleporting. And he's super hard to, to, to hit and not get hit by. And then, so I was just kept dying over and over again from this guy, over and over again. Finally, I get to killing him, and then it goes into a cutscene, and he summons his other bro- his brother. That's why it's called Twin Princes. And his brother has like, I don't know, like no legs or something. And then his brother like sits on his back and like resurrects him and heals him. And then you get to fight both of them together after you've already fought the first one and already used your health and stamina and your endurance. To get through the first part of the battle, you have to start. You have to like continue on with the second phase. There, that's the thing in Souls games, right? If there's two phases or two bosses in once. You don't mm-hmm. get a breather between. Like you just have to fight it all, and if you die, you have to start from the beginning. So like when I fought the twin princes, it was like over and over again trying to beat the prince. Finally beat him. Finally beat him. Then the second one summons and brings the first one back to life. You gotta fight two at once, and I just kept dying, and I I just kept fighting over and over again. I literally and I counted. I lost count. 
I literally fought the Twin Princes over 150 times. And I finally beat them. But it was the hardest thing ever. It was so hard. I was so frustrated. I'd go to work, think Yo, about what it. What do you do when up. you beat it? What do you do when you beat it? You oh, just set the controller down, you look out the window? It depends, dude. Now, if, if, the, boss is that, <laughs> if, if the boss is that hard, if yeah. the boss is that hard, I'll kind of do this thing where I'm just like, I feel my soul leave my body, and I'll fall back in my chair, and I'll be like, oh, my God. Like, it's over. It's finished. Like, Frodo, like, you're he like, just dropped a ring in the end of, uh, You're like Thanos at the end of Infinity War. Dude. Resting for, on that. No, it's, it's actually more like Frodo. Whatever it is, Sunrise. Frodo, it's actually more like Frodo because Frodo looks like he's ready to die when he drops the ring. Yeah. He's like, I'm, okay, I'm, I got you. That's what I feel like. Uh, but the thing is, too, <laughs> that's what's so frustrating, it's right? Done. That's what's so frustrating, right, though, is, like, usually when a game is that hard, a lot of times you just be like, well, this is cheap. This game's cheap. The Twin Princes weren't cheap. Like, his moves are telegraphed. I fought him 150 times. I know how he moves. I know when he moves, what he does. I know how to dodge him. If I die, it's my fault. So that's, that's what sucks even more. Like, it's not like he just randomly summons a freaking fire from the sky and, and nowhere and I die instantly. Like, mm-hmm. it's telegraphed. I know. I fought him already. And, like, that's the whole point. Like, death is a mechanic in Dark Souls, right? There's no such thing as starting Dark Souls for the first time or a Souls game and not dying. Like, that's not... There is, like, you can't be like, oh, I hope I hope I play Souls and I don't die. The, no, that, that, that will not happen. The point of the game is you die on purpose. You die to learn what you did wrong. You go to this enemy, you die. You go to this enemy again. Maybe it's if you're... Get, get good mentality, correct? I mean, I mean yeah. That's what it, it is. It really is. I mean, because you, you have to learn. Like, you have to learn what you did wrong. And so they... Oh, rather, I love that concept. I love that. Rather than teach you, like, through just some kind of tutorial for the enemy, it's like, go fight him. Go ahead. Do whatever Go you get want. Learned. See if you can beat him. Sometimes get you get him the first try, and you're like, okay, I'm a badass. Other times, mm-hmm. you get your ass handed to you, and you're like, okay, what was wrong? Sometimes you go back on the second time, you beat him. Okay, you got him. Sometimes you go well, back 50 times. Well, that's like a huge plus to why as to why people enjoy this, right? Because if you're not getting told how to beat these things or how to do certain things, but then you do manage to fight, figure it out and do it, yeah. it's because of your own ingenuity. Yeah. It's not the game holding your hand. And that endorphin so that makes sense. Is that endorphin's what makes you go on to the next thing, right? Like that's I remember when I first started Bloodborne, back when you, you were kinda hanging around, Josh, like when I first started Bloodborne, mm-hmm. Creighton got me Bloodborne with my PS4 Pro. He got Is that me your P- first one you played? Uh technically, yeah, Bloodborne. Like Bloodborne. Okay. I mean, I think I might have like dicked around in the souls before. I didn't mean to interrupt I, you, but I didn't take it seriously. But my brother bought me a PS4 Pro gotcha. with Bloodborne, and he was like, Bloodborne's amazing, you gotta get into it. Well, when I started, I figured, okay, this game's so hard, I'll never beat it, but let's just try for fun. Mm-hmm. So I started that starting area in Bloodborne you don't like, Josh, the one you've played. And I start the game out. And I run, and I kill, like, two, three, four enemies, I die. Okay? I run again. Kill two, three, four enemies, die. Okay? Run again. Kill, like, six, seven, eight enemies. Then I die. And it just keeps... You can see me progressing, right? Like, it's like, four enemies, die. Four enemies, die. Eight enemies, 12 enemies, 13 enemies. Eventually, I've got past the opening area. Well, then there's a boss. Okay, I get to the boss. Boss kills me. Well, shit. Well, by the time I get to the boss and the boss kills me, that little area in the beginning with the 13 enemies, I have fought them so many times that I'm, a, I'm, I'm really good at fighting those 13 enemies. So getting back to the boss isn't hard. It's like, okay, I've already tried to get past these 13 enemies 20 times, so now I'll just kill them and get to the boss easy. So you find yourself, the first challenge you have... That's some Edge Tomorrow shit. It, well, it <laughs> like just, doing yeah. it over and over. Like the first yeah. challenge you have, you feel like... You'll never get past it. Well, then once you get past it, it's easy. And then the next challenge appears, and you get past that one, and then it's easy. And, and the thing is, it just keeps going and going and going. Like, I, once I beat the first boss, I kind of thought, okay, well, 
I beat my first boss in Bloodborne. I'm, I'm probably not going to get any further than that, but you know what? That mm-hmm. was kind of fun. Let me keep trying. Well, then I go to the second boss. Oh, I can't beat him. Well, I try again and again and again and again. Then I beat the second boss. Oh, okay. Well, I beat two bosses in Bloodborne. Well, let me see if I can beat the third boss. And before you know it, I'm half. Then Creighton's telling me I'm half. I beat half the bosses in the game. Well, I have to beat the game now. And that was it was so hard. Literally, one of the worst, worst and best gaming moments of my life was the final boss of Bloodborne, because Creighton kept encouraging me and helping my little brother Creighton kept encouraging me and helping me to get through Bloodborne, and I was doing pretty good. Like I struggled, but I was doing pretty good. I got through all the bosses. I got to the final boss of the game, and he just shut me down. He just literally shut me down. Like I first time I fought him, Lit your ass up. Yeah, first time I fought him, I couldn't even get him quarter of his health down. I couldn't even get 25% down. Not even close. I just fight him over and over again. It's like, I'm not even seeing a sign that I could beat him one day because he's not even, she's not even getting hit like barely at all. And I just keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. Eventually I get him to like half his health. But at that point I've used all my health potions and I'm dead and half of his health. He starts a new phase and I'm just like, I'll never be able to beat this. I, 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 went, I tried for like six hours Went to work, mm-hmm. couldn't be. I went to work the next day, thought about it all day, went back home, fought him for like six hours again, couldn't beat him. I went back to work the next day again. I'm like, I, I think I may have literally just played Bloodborne to the last boss, and now I'm going to have to quit before I finish the game because I can't beat the last boss. I can't do mm. it. And I just kept thinking about it and, and trying over and over again and strategizing. And that day after work, I came home, beat him on my second try. And it was just like, Heck yeah, man. It blew me away. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, I, I just beat him. Holy shit. And you get the credits and the game's over. And I'm like, I just beat a Souls game. And once I beat one Souls game, the can of worms was open forever. Because then I played Dark Souls. Played Dark Souls 3. Um, played Elden Ring. Of course, I haven't haven't beat Sekiro. And I haven't, I've only tried Dark Souls 2 a bit. Dark Souls 2 is it's developed by FromSoft. But right. I was going to say, I thought that one was kind of the, the dark horse of the, uh, the trilogy. The, the director who's known for these games was, wasn't there as much for that one. So it actually feels like it's developed by someone else, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it like, it's kind of the dark, the dark horse there, but like, yeah, Demon Souls, uh, Bloodborne, Dark Souls, uh, one and Elden Ring are pretty awesome. Dark Souls three. I, I kind of, I have some issues with that one, but I haven't really played two. And then Sekiro, I just can't seem to get through. But, man, the thing is, like I said, all the games deserve the legendary status. They're amazingly built. Uh, amazing music. Amazing atmosphere. Like, music, atmosphere, and combat, 10-10 across the board. You can say what you okay. want about You can say what you want about story. You can say what you want about characters. You can say what you want about some level design in some of the games. But atmosphere... <laughs> Do you feel like people like... like- you, Stephen Hawes, did you guys kind of fall into the same boat? Do you feel like people like you guys that hear others complain like there's no story or it's way too hard? Do you guys like hear that stuff and you think like, I remember when I was like you. I remember. I remember when I was yeah. like that once. <laughs> I mean, I can't speak for for Hawes and, and Steve. I don't know what right, they would say. I don't right. know what they would say. But for me, I for me, I actually still resonate with people who'd hate the difficulty because. For me, I feel like I could still enjoy these games a lot if there was an option to make them a little easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, yeah. and I know that's heresy to a lot of Soulsborne fans, but like for me, the it's not the difficulty that makes them so amazing. I do think there's an element of the difficulty adding to the experience. I think people, I think if there was no difficulty at all, these games wouldn't be looked at the same. Um, but I do think I, I do resonate with those people. Like, yeah, they're they're too hard. If somebody says they're too hard, now 
when people say there's no story or like I don't yeah. care about that game, like it has no story or I don't care about the story, uh-huh. that I kind of I do kind of say like yeah I, I remember when I was like you because the thing is you know people don't really say that about Skyrim you know like like I said people don't really say that about Oblivion and stuff like in a sense I, I know the quests are a little more spelled out story wise for you in Elder Scrolls than they are in Souls games that's fair but like mm-hmm. most people aren't talking about how they played. Skyrim for 10 years straight because of the story. That's just not it. You're immersing yourself in a world that it captivates you and it's just so much fun you never want to leave. That's what Souls is, man. Like so if if you actually really played Souls and new Souls, you probably wouldn't complain about the story anymore. But I to be fair, I did say, like I think a lot of people said, when George R. R. Martin was involved in Elden Ring, I'm like, "Oh wow, we're going to get a Souls game that also has a story that's like God of War or or Spider-Man or or Uncharted, you know, it's going to have this deep story of characters. No, it didn't have that at all, but, I mean, it also turned out it didn't matter because that's not what Souls is. Like, that's never been what Souls is. It's, it's, it doesn't feel lacking. It doesn't feel lacking. That's all I can say. Okay, well, two, two questions before we get out of here. One, uh, has there ever been a moment, man, you're playing the game and you see an enemy and you just immediately clench your butt cheeks? Like, there's that moment of, like, anticipation where you're like, okay, here, I got to get mentally prepared for this. And then two, uh, when you take us out, give me give me your ranking, man, of your favorite to least favorite. Okay. Uh, dude, the clenching the butt cheeks thing, dude, that happens, like, every other five enemies. I mean, that's all. <laughs> um, but to give a couple examples, um, it's, usually, it's usually bosses. But I'll give, okay. an example. I'll give an example of one enemy, too. So for bosses, two enemies. I'll give you one from Dark Souls, one from Bloodborne. Dark Souls, when I get to Ornstein and Smo, probably the most popular boss or well-known boss in Dark Souls, Ornstein and Smo. The reason Ornstein and Smo is a clench your butt cheeks moment is it's the first time in Souls you fight. Well, I guess it's not the first time because there's the man-eaters in Demon Souls. But one of the first times you oh, fight. Oh, she comes. You have to fight two enemies at the same time. And Ornstein and Smo, Ornstein... I get I get them mixed up. I think Ornstein's the knight, but Ornstein is the skinny, tall knight, and Smo is this giant, giant fat knight, like huge. And you gotta fight nice. them both. You gotta fight them both at the same time. And if you kill one, the other one absorbs that one's body and gets stronger. And you gotta kill him too. So that's a country butt cheeks moment. And then okay, for Bloodborne because of my story about how like my brother helped me get through Bloodborne and then I couldn't beat the final boss. Well, when I went to replay Bloodborne just a couple, like a month ago here, I got to the final boss of the game, and my last memory of beating him was 2018 when I was, I couldn't beat him, like when Creighton showed me Bloodborne. Right. I don't know, it was 2017, 2017. My last memory of this final boss was just not being able to beat him. So, I clenched my butt cheeks so hard for this final boss, that instead of fighting him at level 80, I went and farmed for days to get to level 110, 110, before I went and fought him. And because I was just clenching my butt cheeks so hard, I'm like, I, I'm scared to fight this guy again. Last time, I just couldn't beat him for shit. Well, this time, yeah. this time with five years of Souls experience and farming to level 110, I entered that final boss battle, beat him on my first try, and it wasn't even close. Not even close. I didn't even use half my okay. potions. It was insane. So it was awesome. But yeah, that's a lot of clench your butt cheeks moments. For an enemy... This is one enemy, dude. I hate this enemy so much. People will agree with me when they hear this. It, it was funny because Erica was in the room watching watching me play. There's this enemy in Bloodborne. It's this little squid guy. And if you can you can kill him pretty easy. But if you let him grab you, even once, he will grab you, 
A tentacle will come up out of his head, it'll go on top of your head, and it will suck intelligence out of your brain. And you lose it forever. Damn, that's like the from Batman Forever. With the TVs and shit. That's crazy. Mm. But you'll lose your intelligence forever. So. Hmm. <laughs> You're like, I don't know about that. I'm like, I don't know the reference really, Josh, but I'm, I'm going with it. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. But uh, yeah, continue. Continue. Uh, yeah. So basically, whenever whenever you fight an enemy in a game that removes something from you permanently. Uh, oh, for instance, oh, here's another one, Josh. If you play Demon Souls, the final boss of Demon Souls, he has a move. That if you let him land that move, he de-levels your character. Oh wow! And and wow, I say permanent, but not totally. He permanently removes a level from your character, but of course you can go back out and earn it again. But what I'm saying okay. is, is if if he if he lands it, so like I just beat Demon Souls like less than a week ago. He landed that that blow on me seven times. I lost seven levels fighting the dude. Seven characters. He had to levels. go out and grind. No, I beat him. But when I beat him, all seven I was seven levels less because he did it seven times on me. Mm. Like, he literally just grabs you, removes a level, and you can go back to fighting him again as long as you have health. So I'd use a potion, keep fighting him. He did it seven times. So I beat the game. I was I was 83 when I started fighting him. And then I was like 70, what is that? 76 when I beat the game because he de-leveled me seven times. So okay. you got to watch out for this shit. But anyways, ranking the games, we'll get out of here. Um... This is a mixture of being extremely subjective and also not really playing Sekiro or Dark Souls 2. Uh, Bloodborne, number one for sure, by far. Um, Demon's Souls is my number two. Um, One reason why I love Demon's Souls and Bloodborne so much is Demon's Souls and Bloodborne have hub worlds where you select the level. And I like that. I like that a lot. You have a hub hub world you go to to do all your leveling up and armor and stuff like that. And then you pick a level. You pick a level from a stone, and you go out and do the level. Uh, all the other games are more like travel through the world and go organically. Uh, also, uh, most all the Souls games, you have your health is like a potion that replenishes all the time. It's like a potion you just you sit at a bonfire, it replenishes. In okay. uh, Demon Souls and Bloodborne, you don't have that. You have to go out and farm for potions and grass. Grass is what you use in Demon Souls. You use grass to heal. But you have to go out and kill enemies to farm for the stuff to heal. I like farming. I like the hubs with the level select. So Bloodborne number one, Demon Souls number two. Dark Souls is number three. Dark Souls, the original, is an all-time classic. It's 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 amazing. And one of the few things one, one thing games don't usually do. Dark Souls, the entire game is connected. It's one massive level connected and it's all connected in a way that makes sense so like if you go downstairs over here and you go upstairs over somewhere else they're gonna be always like like it's like like you're in the real world like they're always gonna work like there's never gonna be a situation where you're in a house 10 miles away from another house and you go down five ladders and you're at the other house again like you have to actually travel properly across lands and hills and stairs and caverns as if you were in the real world. So that makes it really really uh, unique. So you got Bloodborne, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, one. Those are the three main ones for me, three big ones. I'm actually thinking, I'm crazy I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Elden Ring is number four. Uh, Elden Ring Elden Ring was a it was a phenomenal experience that I got I was starting to get really tired of by the end of it. Uh, it's just a lot to do. It's just a very long, long game. It's got some really challenging bosses that I'm sure they're not unfair, but man, at the end, I was just, I was cheesing every way I could to beat them because I was just ready to be done. It was so hard. But Elden Ring, phenomenal experience. When that game came out, everyone stopped everything they're doing to play Elden Ring. I remember I got it in, yeah. I got it in Horizon at the same time. 
and I felt so bad for Horizon. I played Horizon first because it came out a week earlier, and I felt so bad for Horizon. I was, I was like, standing up for Horizon. I'm like, Horizon was so good. I'm not going to let Elder Ring overshadow it. Dude, I was five hours into Elder Ring. I'm like, I've had more fun than I had the entirety of Horizon Forbidden West. Just five hours. Wow. Ago. I mean, wow. Elder Ring is just, it's just on another level. Like, and I, if some people out there, like if uh, Anthony DC Outlaw is listening, you know he's defending that Horizon. And it, it makes sense. It's an amazing game. But dude, Elden Ring was on the low for me. So Elden Ring. I also like I like when Souls I like when From Software's original. When they do a new IP, right? Like I don't want Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. I want Demon Souls, Bloodborne, Elden Ring, uh, Dark Souls, you know, just like original. So I'm gonna sum this up and get out of here, Josh. It goes Bloodborne, Demon Souls, Dark Souls 1, Elden Ring, yeah. and then I'm gonna go Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 2 and Sekiro. And Sekiro being at the bottom, it's just because it's so much different that I haven't been able to get. I haven't been able to beat it, get into it. I am sure Sekiro has the, the quality to be number one, as it is for many people. But it's just a different game, and I just can't I just can't get into it yet. So for now, that's how it goes. That's my ranking. Sure. So. No, it's awesome. And, dude, it's been legitimately, I'd even say this off air, It's it's, it's been actually really cool listening to this because, uh, dude, Researching those as I was listening to you talk about it, Demon Souls looks legitimately fun, dude. I, I love how like, that one looks. It's my number two. I mean, I love Demon Souls, and it, like it's beautiful, beautiful game. I was gonna say it looks beautiful, but I think it's more so just how varied the environments look. And I know I could tell that Elden Ring has that too, but yeah. um, I think I probably start small. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you know, dude, the kingdom quality over quantity. I love the name of the kingdom in Demon Souls. It's one of the coolest names for a kingdom. It's Balateria. 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 Suck on my Balatarians. I knew yeah, that dude. Fun. No, <laughs> no, but uh, dude, this has been awesome. Uh, man, it's interesting. So uh, if you, uh, Stephen Halls, I, I have no doubt they're listening to this when this one goes up. But uh, Brian's got me interested. He's got me on the table at least. I, I probably will pick it up when it goes pick on sale Demon again Souls on for sale. sure now. Yeah. Because for you guys listening, we talked to Stephen Halls a lot, and we were on Twitter talking about me. Brian made a tweet about me getting into the Souls games and. I just reached a point at that point. This was like a week ago now as of this recording. And I reached a point where I thought it's just not going to happen for me. It's just not going to happen and no hate, peace and love, but it's just not for me. But doing this episode, I'm watching that at least demon souls and Sekiro look good too. I mean, they, they each look good. I still think Bloodborne's my least favorite aesthetically, but I really still like the aesthetic too. It's hard to explain, but, but I, mean, I think, if uh, you beat demon, demon souls. souls. If, that's the thing. If you beat demon souls and you like it, like yeah. it's it's the same essentially. I mean, someone out there listening is probably gonna argue with me about it, but like essentially, if you beat Demon Souls, Dark Souls one, two, three, and Elden Ring all play the same. I mean, you can literally okay. just play the you, yeah. whatever you did in Demon Souls. You can just do the same thing in those games. Just play, just keep playing. Oh hell yeah! So yeah, I think I'll I'll think I'll look for like a Christmas sale or something if yeah. they have a Black sure Friday one or something, and I'll I'll probably pick it up. I don't I might not necessarily play it right away, but I I do think that solidified me at least wanting to purchase it for sure. Cool. All right, man. Big well, W. I am very glad that Josh allowed me to get this uh, Soulsborne episode out because man, this series we wrestled is... out of beforehand. I said no. It's one of those. I said absolutely not. It's one no. of those few. So it's one of those few series that like Josh and it's one of those few series that are all the way at the top for me. That Josh mm-hmm. and I both don't have like because we both like Halo, we both like Gears, we both like Elder Scrolls, you know stuff like that. We have history with Fable, a lot of those games, stuff like that. Final Fantasy VII, um, but Soulsborne's one that's really important to me. Not so much Josh as of now, 
We'll mm-hmm. have to do an episode on like Uncharted or something at some point soon for Josh to have. That no, absolutely. Experience. We have not done too many episodes where it's been like a one-sided thing. Like yeah. the Zelda one, I guess, was the closest that we did with Nestor because I had, you know, yeah. that kind of got me to play one. But uh, yeah, I don't know. But this was still cool to do. I mean. Honestly, guys, uh, it goes back to just our friendship. Uh, I used to listen to Brian talk about so much shit. This was the guy who pulled me back into Halo, and it was literally that Brian Cranston gif you guys see where, like, it fades to black around him, and, like, he literally, like, turns around. He's, like, you know, almost has that, like, tell me more. That was me turning away from Mario Kart or whatever it was. But, yeah, no, uh... Brian can Brian can sell people. Brian could sell snake oil. Okay, I'm just saying this guy could sell anything to anybody. I'm telling you what. You walk into like a cell phone store. This guy could sell me on a fucking like Nokia phone from like 2005. Okay, he could sell me on a damn like Game Boy Color that's three hundred dollars. Only has a couple scratches, but I want it because it's Aqua. And he could say, well, it's not mint condition, but here's why you should get it. And he will somehow find a way to convince me to buy it. It's funny because so, I've that's, seen that's, that's, I've that's seen charm. I've seen both sides of the spectrum, right? Because I've seen myself sell josh on something he already kind of wanted where it was like uh, josh we should uh, i'm you not push saying me over the edge yeah like i'm not saying this is how it went josh but like let's just say destiny 2 destiny 2 was like mm-hmm. josh well, are we gonna get destiny 2 and you're like oh no, maybe i'm thinking about it i'm like and i'm like josh we can do this we can do this we can do that and then josh is like should we get the special edition with the extra content <laughs> it's like just sell them just sold them immediately right because he already wanted it yeah. and then there's the opposite spectrum where it's like hey you know that game alien isolation that you don't give two shits about we'll come over Watch me play and have me talk about it, and you're gonna almost buy it before you leave here. And then once he gets yeah. home, he realizes yeah, I I really don't want it, but man, John, Brian almost had me, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the biggest way to sell me on anything. Just like the enthusiasm alone. If I'm watching Brian play a video game and I'm I'm seeing yeah, I'm seeing him play through it, seeing him talk about it, something about that gets me excited about it it reminds me why i like playing video games and then sometimes i go home and i'm like eh you know like i I got bloodborne not too long after i think i saw brian play it and i played it for like three or four hours and i was like it was this is more fun to watch brian play it like it's as simple as that like when he did it when he did it it's like the equivalent of like watching a review for a game you've been anticipating and you're just like you're like oh i can't wait to play this there's a there's an experience of like the wheel starting to turn but uh, but then there's other times where Brian, like, if he wanted to go to a specific fast food place, even though we settled on something else the day prior, I can come around, but it'll take a little bit more. But but usually Brian's typically the Brian. Brian can sell me on it, and it's so funny because Erica will sometimes like like sometimes guys will be I'll be talking to Brian on the phone, and he'll be trying to talk to me about something or, or get me interested in something, and then Erica will be like, "Don't listen to him." And I'm like, Erica, I've dealt with this like a long time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I want to get out of here, so I'm not, I'm not going to go a long yeah. story here. But I, I think, yeah, I think I there was I think there was a podcast episode a long time ago I mentioned this on, but I'm, just, I'm not going to tell the whole story. I'm just going to make a short version. But uh, it was so hilarious because I remember when Justin came over to my house and I was like, Creighton was there, and I said, let's watch Alien Covenant. Let's watch Alien Covenant. And Justin's like, I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't want to watch that movie. That movie's crap. I don't want to watch it. And I was like, come on, let's just watch it. And then Justin immediately knows what I'm doing. And he goes, don't do not do it. You're doing that thing where you're going to try to convince us to watch it. And he's like, Creighton, don't listen to him. Creighton's like, Justin, don't listen to him. They started like preparing <laughs> themselves. They're like, don't do it. Don't fall for his crap. We're not watching it. And then like, yeah. it's like a SpongeBob, like a few moments later, we're all sitting there watching Alien Covenant. And Justin just looks over at me. He's like, how the fuck did you do this? Like, How are we watching this right now? Uh, I love it. I love it. 
it's fun. It's fun. It's hard to get me. It's hard to sell me on things. Usually when people try to, it just completely turns me off of something because I feel like it's being shoved down my throat. But Brian will usually find a way. Like you, There's the part of me, I'll say this and we'll get out, but there is the part of me that when I'm hearing you try to sell me on something, I know what's happening. I'm aware of what's happening. But then the moment within that whole conversation that I'm either watching a movie with you and you're talking about it, or I'm seeing you play a game and you're talking about it. When I, that happens, when it gets to that point, that's when the wheels start turning, and I'm like, "Huh?" And I get real quiet, and I just I'll ask a question here and there, and it's because I'm like I'm deconstructing in my brain that I may I'm, I'm I'm trying to reconcile that I'm I'm suddenly getting interested in the now I'm like tell me more, but I also at the same time in the moment no one wants to tell Brian tell me more. Yeah, <laughs> right. Don't let this bastard have it. Yeah. Exactly, but no, it's great, and this was a great episode. Okay, Josh, well, man, I'm glad we got to talk about some Soulsborne. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know if you ever played the Souls games, if you're thinking about getting into them now that you listened, or maybe you just don't like them at all, you don't think you'll ever play them, or just uh, what's your favorite? I mean, I'd just love to hear more about it. I just feel like I don't have enough people to talk about Souls with, so uh, let us know. Contact us. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast, and as always, keep it sacred.